everybody, it's Rich. Welcome, or welcome back, to the Access Church Podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel, where you'll find our complete Sunday experience with music, as well as great content for kids and students. Visit accesschurch.com to keep up with everything going on around here at Access, and subscribe to our email list. We'll send you helpful suggestions each week designed to help you make friends, grow in faith, and live with purpose. Most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, we are continuing today in uh, part four of Reassembly Required, what it looks like to take a relationship that's been broken and to put it back together. And this is something that is so important for us because, you know, sometimes it's, it's kind of instinctive to us, I think, to know how to start a relationship. And we've all kind of figured out along the way how to maintain relationships, but it is a whole nother thing to take a relationship that's been broken and to put it back together. So we've been looking at that over the last four weeks. And today we're going to wrap this series up. And I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to share with you what I think are some of the most essential truths about relationship and what it looks like for relationships to be healthy and to be life-giving and to be restorative. And so um, some of you are you're in this series and you're thinking, um, I, I've got this uh, relationship and it's something that's maybe kind of been in the corner of my mind. I don't think about it a lot. I've pushed it off to the side. It's not that relationship is not in a great place. And I would really like it if we would just sort of wrap this series up and move on so I can stop thinking about that relationship. Um, but actually, we find that there is an opportunity in reconciliation and putting things back together where we actually echo the heart of our Heavenly Father. Now, sometimes we want to put a relationship back together, right? Sometimes we put a relationship back together, we work hard at the restoration, we work hard at the reconciliation because it's something that we want. We want to put the relationship back together. We, we feel the void when that relationship is broken. But there are other times where we don't really want to, but we know that we ought to want to. And so our prayers go something like, uh, God, I don't really want to fix this relationship, but I know that I should fix this relationship. And so I just ask that you would help me to want, to want, to want to put this relationship back together. But we know that at the end of the day, it will be better if we figure out how to put this relationship back together. The, the how is often the problem, right? We know we want to, we know we ought to want to, but how do we put a relationship back together? That's a really difficult thing. And like I said, we, we sometimes instinctively know how to start a relationship, maintain a relationship, but the how of putting a relationship back together oftentimes escapes us. And that is why the scriptures are so incredibly helpful. You know, sometimes you think, oh, the Bible's this old dusty book. I'm not sure it has any relevance for my life today. Man, in this series, we have just seen how incredibly helpful it is to read our Bibles and to look at what God has to say about relationships. Because I believe that God created you and that God created the people around you. And he has designed us in a peculiar way, which is that he designed us to actually function best in community or in relationship, that that is the way that we are designed to function. That is the way we're designed to live. And that's actually how we're also designed to reflect our creator. We're made in the image of God. And some of the ways that we reflect him is by the way that we relate to other people. And so the how is really important. We need to know how to put 
relationships back together. Now, one of the reasons that this is challenging for us is because it's not enough for us to just sort of, you know, read the instruction manual on this because situations are so individual and situations are so unique. And I recognize that as we bring this topic up and as we've kind of stirred this topic over the last few weeks, we recognize that for you, this might be really painful. You know, this relationship that you're thinking about, this relationship that's been broken in your life, it's not just someone who's peripheral to your world. It's someone who is central, or at least at one time, they were central to your world. And those, those hurt feelings, they're no small thing. It's a really big deal that someone has hurt you, that someone has, has taken your trust and broken your trust. It's a really big deal that someone has abused, you know, what you gave them and you offered them and you trusted them and, and then that's gone. And so for us to talk about, oh, you just need to put these relationships back together. You're sitting there and you're like, no, 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 no. You don't know my story. You haven't heard the way that I've been hurt. And I just wanna say, you're right. I haven't heard your story. And I'm sure that there's a lot going on where you were unjustly hurt. And I'm not trying to gloss that over. And I hope that as we, we explore this topic, we're not in any way that Andy or I come across as insensitive to your situation at all. But the reality is that we do have some skills that we need to learn. We need to learn how to do these things. And you know, one of the best ways that we can learn is not just by uh, being taught, but by actually catching these kinds of habits or these kinds of patterns, right? And so the reality is that there is more caught than taught when it comes to relational dynamics. And so this is something I would say, if you're a parent in the room, if you're a grandparent in the room, this is one of the things that we will oftentimes shield our kids from, right? We don't wanna talk about conflict in front of our kids. We don't want, because we don't, we don't want our kids to hear us say something negative about someone else. And so we talk about it with our spouse. We talk about it after they've gone to bed. We talk about it, you know, when we're in our bedroom, but we don't talk a lot about conflict in front of our kids. And consequently, our kids aren't learning what it looks like to resolve conflict in healthy ways. Um, Stephanie and I learned this early in our marriage when our kids were young. And, you know, there would be times, you know, we, we said uh, before our kids were born, we said a lot of things uh, that didn't hold up. Uh, one of the things that we said was that we would never fight in front of our kids, right? Anybody else make this pledge? We will never fight in front of our kids. Yeah. Turns out you don't always plan when these conflicts come about, right? And so we realized that our kids were seeing us in conflict and then they would go to bed and we would resolve the conflict after they were go gone to bed. And then they would come out in the morning and it looked like everything was fine because everything was fine, but they didn't see the hard work that went into that. And so one of our concerns was that our kids would grow up thinking that, you know, conflict just sort of takes care of itself. You have conflict, you have a disagreement, you, you have a fight, and then, you know, everybody goes to bed and they wake up the next day and everything's cheery. And so we would say to them, we would sit them down and say, hey, last night you witnessed that mom and dad were not real happy with each other, right? Yeah, okay. Same way you and your brother, not always real happy with each other, right? Right, okay. So mom and dad have to say, we have to work on this relationship the same way that you have to work on your relationship. And here's why this is so important. Parents and grandparents, and this isn't a parenting thing, so I'll move on in just a minute. But I do want you to know, this is really important for you to make sure that your kids catch this from you because someday, this will be important. They need to know how to restore a relationship 
because someday they may need to know how to restore a relationship with you. And you would think, oh no, not my kids. Oh yeah, your kids. I mean, God's the perfect parent. And at some point he had a break in the relationship with Adam and Eve, right? So you can be the perfect parent. And I know most of you are right there, you know, 98, 99%, right? Doing really well, I'm sure. Because exceptional audience here. But even then, you're going to have conflict. You're going to have stress. You're going to have tension. You've got a broken relationship at some point with your kids. And you may need to put that relationship back together. And it's really important that when that day comes, your kids know how to put a relationship back together. So um, this is an important skill for us to pass on to our kids so that they can see that. And the the most important part, uh, or maybe step one, we'll just say, for putting a relationship back together or resolving conflict is you've got to teach your kids the proper use of a personal pronoun. You've got to teach them how to use a personal pronoun. You understand this? Because when your kids have conflict and you try to bring them back together and it's like, you know, it is amazing the things you find yourself saying to your children that you never, words you thought would never leave your mouth, right? Like, apologize to your brother for shooting him with the airsoft gun. And then you realize later, you kind of loosen up as a parent. And you're like, okay, it's all right. You're allowed to shoot each other with the airsoft gun, just not in the face, okay? Just don't shoot each other in the face with the airsoft gun. But as you bring them back together and you make them apologize to each other, it's just amazing how these little souls deep inside of them, they find such compassion for their siblings, right? And they find such warmth for their siblings and they begin to apologize to one another in such a powerful way that it will bring you to tears. If you listen to these apologies, right? They say things like, sorry, sorry. (laughs) And you're like, no, no, that's not enough. That's not enough to just say the word, sorry. You actually have to say, I'm sorry. We're going to ask you to put that personal pronoun in front of, right? I'm sorry. I am sorry. And as if you might actually bear some responsibility for the conflict. I am sorry. I was wrong. I won't do this again. And then, of course, as they hit somewhere in middle school or whatever, you know, it goes like this. It's like, tell your brother you're sorry. Tell your brother you're sorry. And they come back with, brother, you're sorry. That's it, right? And so here we are in Reassembly Required. Reassembly Required, the series that we've been in for the last several weeks. And it is the beginner's guide to restoring a broken relationship. The beginner's guide to restoring a broken relationship. And the reason that we say it's the beginner's guide is because this is just scratching the surface. And if you are currently in counseling, this is not meant to replace counseling. You should stick with your counselor. If you want to go on for advanced work in this category, then you should get a counselor because counselors can be really helpful with this. And it could be something you need to work through on your own or with the person that you're going through, uh, restoring a, a relationship with. But one of the things that we've said as we've been working through this series is that we have to be really careful that we don't make a project out of the other person, right? Or another way we've said this, is that the goal is not reconciliation. The goal is not reconciliation. The goal is no regrets. The goal is no regrets. If our goal, if we walk into it like, oh, we're going to put this thing back together. The problem with putting things back together, this is not like a plate that was broken and now you can glue all the pieces back together. It's not all in your control. It's not all in your hands. You don't have uh, complete control over how this thing goes back together. And so as you begin to work on this, you've got to recognize like there's another person involved. 
there's another person involved and they have their own ideas about this and they have their own ideas about how things are gonna go. They've got their own want to and their own ought to. And so you have to go into the same. The goal is no regrets. That is the goal. The goal is simply um, that I am going to be able to look back on this and say, I did everything that I should have done. I, I, I'm not regretting this. Matter of fact, um, maybe you've been in a situation with a, a loved one and you've reached the, the end of life with them. And you have uh, had to come to a place where you realize there's some conversations that we need to have because we don't wanna leave things unsaid and there are things that need to be resolved. And what I'm encouraging you to do today is to say, don't wait for something so dramatic. Don't wait for something so extreme. Like there are conversations that are out there. There are conversations that are waiting to be had. And your, your responsibility is not reconciliation. I mean, that's, that's wonderful if that happens, right? God is a God of reconciliation. Everything that God does all through the pages of scripture from Genesis to Revelation is all about reconciliation and drawing us back into relationship. And our goal is to say, we're going to keep the door open. We're going to keep the welcome mat out. We're going to have the drawbridge down. We are going to be available. We want to make it possible for a reconciliation to happen, but we have to be careful not to make reconciliation the goal because you don't want the person to feel like you have an agenda, that this is a project. Instead, it's like, hey, I just want to make sure that I'm living in such a way that I know that I'm doing everything that I can do, and I've done everything that I should do. In fact, um, Paul writes about it like this. Paul, he's, he's a realist. He looks at the situation. He looks at relationships. But, you know, the Bible is not just a handbook for how we have a relationship with God. It's also an important handbook for how we have a relationship with other people. Because it turns out that our Heavenly Father looks at us and says, look, you want to be good with me, You've got to be good with other people. In fact, um, you look at the way that the, the disciples of Jesus wrote about the words and the teachings of Jesus. They write very strongly and very clearly that you can't, you can't hold something against your brother and be in good relationship with God. Like these two are related because if, you're, if you've got something against one of my kids, it's going to be difficult for you and I to have a good relationship, Right? If you've got something against one of my kids, if you're angry at one of my kids, if you're hostile, if you're resentful toward one of my kids, it's gonna be difficult for you and I to have a good relationship. And your heavenly father is the same. He looks at all of us. He looks at his children and he's like, hey, you wanna be good with me. You've gotta be good with my kids. And therefore, Paul says, if it is possible, if it is possible, now he's a realist, okay? He's recognizing that you don't have total control. This isn't just about you. There's someone else involved in the equation. So he's allowing for that. But at the same time, he kind of doubles down on the personal responsibility that you and I have. And this is the verse that we looked at last week. And I think this would be a great verse if you want to just remember this series and you want to have this verse on your dashboard or your mirror and something you look back on a regular basis. This is a great verse. as kind of the theme verse for this series. If it is possible as far as it depends on you, okay? So there's some personal responsibility. There's some weight that falls on us. As far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. Your translation might say, live at peace with everyone. But that makes it sound a little bit like both, you know, like you have control over both parties and you don't. 
But you can be at peace. You can keep the door open, the welcome mat out, the drawbridge down. You can say, I am here to live at peace, to be at peace with everyone. And so we said that there are four decisions. We looked at a couple of these already. We're going to review the first couple, and then we're going to move into the last two decisions today. But there are four decisions that we must make if we're going to live at peace with everyone. And the first decision that we talked about was that I will get back to, not get back at. That the goal of reconciliation, the goal of restoring a relationship is that I want to get back to this person, not get back at them. I'm going to take revenge off the table, retribution off the table, payback off the table. I am taking these things off the table. My goal is to live in relationship with you. And that means I've got to think about what it means for me to get back to you. The goal is not to get back at you. I've got to let go of those things. We also have to recognize that it's going to take a little bit of time to get back to someone. Every step that you have taken away from someone in relationship, it's going to take that much longer for you to get back to them in a relationship. Um, Father's Day, 2005. I will never forget this day. It was a great day. Uh, we had, uh, it, was a, it was a really fun day. At least it was fun for me. Um, but it was Father's Day 2005. I got to preach that morning at a friend's church. And then um, Stephanie and I and uh, another couple that we're dear friends with still to this day, even after this story, um, we, we went out sailing together. And so um, at the time we owned like 124th of a sailboat up on uh, Lake Erie. And so we went out sailing and um, it was like, as soon as we, we were still like inside the jetty, uh, it was pretty obvious it was going to be a little bit windier day than normal and uh, maybe a little bit rougher day than normal. And as we we're kind of heading out past the jetty, you know, this is a 33-foot-long boat, and the spray from the bow is actually, like, getting us wet in the cockpit. That's a lot of spray. And, um, but it was like, this will be fine, it'll be fine. And I like to sail fast, and I like to sail heeled over, so this will be fun. And so we kind of came around the jetty, and we set off, and we're doing great. We're having a, I mean, just a great time. And my friend Eric and I, uh, we, we're eating, and we're having a great time, and um, a little bit maybe clueless. Probably your husband completely tuned in to you all the time. And that's, that's why you just need to turn to your husbands right now, ladies, and say, thank you. Just say thank you, because he's always tuned into you. This husband, not always tuned into my wife. And um, so Eric and I are both a little bit clueless about the fact that Carol is actually vomiting over the back of the rail, like into the ocean. Thankfully, she's doing it in the right spot. And um, she's like totally losing all interest. So finally, Stephanie comes to me. She's like, look, we got to turn this thing around. And uh, like, you know, the fun's over. It's time to go back in. It's, it's too rough out here. And I said, okay, no problem. So we turn around and we're heading back into the marina. Now, if you've ever been out on a sailboat, um, they're not that fast. And we are a family that spend most of our time boating with power boats. And so when you want to go faster, you just, you know, give it a little more gas and you go faster. But now we're turning around, we're, we're sailing back in and we had been out uh, for an hour and 15 minutes. And now we're turning around, we're heading back in. Well, in a sailboat, you know, you're only going about seven knots. And so that's not that far. You can see the marina right there. And so we're heading back in. You can see the marina. You can see the lighthouse. And Stephanie's like, um, how, how long? I mean, Carol's really sick. How long till we get back? And I said, an hour and 15 minutes. And she's like, seriously, how long? Stop kidding around. I'm like, honey, it took us an hour and 15 minutes to get out here. 
and it's gonna take us an hour and 15 minutes to get back. She's like, make it go faster. I'm like, it's a sailboat. I can't, it doesn't, this is it, this is it. This is what we do, we're seven miles an hour. So um, it started, I still had a great day, it was a fun day. But um, Carol and Eric have not accepted our invitation to go sailing ever since. But my, the moral of that story is um, that it's gonna take you a while to get back in. And we have this thinking sometimes that when we decide that we're gonna put a relationship back together, that it should just be like that. But the reality is that relationship didn't fall apart like that. That, re- that relationship, if it took an hour and 15 minutes to fall apart, it is gonna take an hour and 15 minutes to come back together. And I say that because I think we should have realistic expectations about what it looks like to restore a broken relationship. Okay, so God, this is the great thing about this. And in fact, I wanna say this right here. If you are not a believer, if you're not a Jesus follower, if you're not somebody who says you believe in God or the Christian faith, I am so glad you're here today. And I think that actually what we're gonna talk about here today is one of the reasons that you should explore the idea of following Jesus regardless of what you think about Jesus. Because I think these principles are so helpful. And I think there's a really important lesson in the middle of what we're gonna talk about here today about our heavenly father and the way that he has worked toward restoring a relationship with you and me. And if you're a Jesus follower, then there's a responsibility in here for us. There's There's a responsibility that your heavenly father has come after you. Your heavenly father has given everything through Jesus Christ to restore a relationship with you. And so as Jesus so gently chided us last week, like don't, we don't wanna be hypocrites. We don't wanna look in the mirror and realize that we're not willing to do something that our heavenly father has done for us. And if we're supposed to be, um, if we're supposed to be the ones who talk about all that God has done for us, we have to be willing to also do what God has done for us. We have to be willing to do that for other people. In fact, John, who was one of Jesus' friends, he wrote this when he talked about Jesus. Now, you know John 3.16. It's the most famous verse in the Bible, but there's actually a verse that comes right after John 3.16, the very next verse, and it has a lot to say about what we're talking about here today. John says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. In other words, God didn't send his Son to get back at us. God sent his Son to get back to us. He sent his son not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So John's trying to say to us, look, God did this for us. This is how we should love one another. And then Paul comes along later. And Paul, you know, Paul was someone, if you don't know the story about Paul, he used to be called Saul. He was actually a Pharisee who was very, very opposed to this new movement that was making its way through Jerusalem and through Israel. And he became convinced that this movement was wrong. And and Saul so hated Christians that Saul asked for permission from the leadership to be able to put Christians to death. So Saul was directly opposed to the movement of Jesus until he had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ himself and it changed his life. But, But Paul, this is why Paul writes later, Romans chapter five, he says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, while I had my back turned to God, while I was literally persecuting Christians, while I was, I was doing my thing, I, I was completely blind to what God was doing for me. But he sent his son to win me back, to get me back. 
And so Paul writes this to the Corinthian church, new believers in Corinth. And he says, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, and this is a really interesting word, assignment. Now, a lot of translations say the ministry, but ministry is kind of a churchy word. And the church didn't even really, it was kind of in its early days back then. But the assignment is, is a really great literal translation of that Greek word that says that you've been given a job. You've been given an assignment of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. In other words, you and I are supposed to be representatives of this, this message that God has given. And how can we represent this message? How can we be ministers of reconciliation? How can we carry out the assignment of reconciliation if we are not willing to do the hard work of being reconciled to people in our own lives? So the first decision is I will get back to, not get back at. The next decision is I will own my slice of the blame pie. We talked about this last week. If you own a slice, you gotta be nice. I know it feels like it's all their fault, but if you really sit down and really examine it and you pray about it and you say, God, show me, show me where I might have some responsibilities. Show me what I might need to do to put this back together. God, help me to know what is my slice of the pie. And once we own our slice of the pie, we have to be nice because then we recognize that we have some responsibility in putting this back together as well. And then rule number three or decision number three that we're going to talk about today is I will make the first move regardless of who moved away first. In other words, it doesn't matter who initiated the fuss, right? Restoration, reconciliation, rebuilding the relationship begins with us regardless of who initiated the fuss, that we go first. And why do we go first? Because our heavenly father went first in moving toward us. This is a way that we reflect that we are built in the image, that we are made in the image of our heavenly father, that we move toward people that we're willing to take the first step. In fact, um, there's a really great illustration of this that Jesus gives when Jesus is teaching his followers. And it's really fascinating. I think it's a story that a lot of times we move past because we're kind of like, well, maybe this is a parable or it's something I don't quite understand because it involves some practices that were common for Israelites in the first century that are not common to us. And so we don't totally understand it, but God's actually talking about this idea or Jesus is actually talking about this idea that um, you know, is very common in first century Judaism, which is that they are going to the temple to offer a sacrifice. And you've got to remember that for many people, going to the temple was a big deal. It only happened for some people once a year, for some people at just certain holidays. Um, even if you lived in Jerusalem, going to the temple was a really big deal. Like you would come into Jerusalem, especially the holiday weekends, you would come into Jerusalem and it is packed. I mean, it is absolutely packed. And you couldn't pull out your phone and look on the app and see how long the wait time was or anything like that. There were no fast passes. It was just, you had to show up and you had to be in the crowd. And you know, the whole thing now, or, you know, somebody holds a sign and says, you know, from this point, the line is 35 minutes. There was nobody doing that. 
In fact, you wouldn't even know what line you were supposed to be in. You'd have to ask people, is this a line for offering animal sacrifices? Is this, which line is this right here? Oh, get to the line. Oh, I can't even see the temple. How far is the temple? So this is a big deal to go to the temple and to offer a sacrifice. And in the midst of this culture and in the midst of this kind of environment, Jesus shows up and he says to his followers, this is how important reconciliation is. He says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar. Now, this is interesting that Jesus uses the word gift here. This is not um, a sacrifice that you would make in repentance for sin. This is a sacrifice that you would make as a gift offering. This is, in other words, these are people who are good people. They're coming to the temple. They're following the rules of the Torah. They're coming to the temple to say, I want to say thank Thank you to God for all this goodness to me. I want to recognize that God is my God. And in the middle of this environment, in the middle of circumstances, I'm showing up and I'm, I'm ready to offer my gift to God. And then if you remember, so if you're offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. So you're in line and you're thinking about offering this gift as a sacrifice to God. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah. Oh, there's that, there's that situation back at home. Oh yeah, there's that person at work. Oh yeah, there's, there's my brother-in-law and I've never dealt with that. I, I, for, I kind of forgot, honestly, that's, that's been kind of unresolved. If you're waiting in line to bring your gift to the altar and you think about this and you think about this, God's saying you should deal with this. And many of us say, yep, all right, you know what? I'm even gonna, I'll make a note to myself on my phone so that I don't forget, but I will definitely take care of that when I get home. But Jesus says, no, actually leave your gift there. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. And whoa, 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 Jesus, you understand. We have been in line for hours and we're like one, two, three, four. We're like five people back. We are almost at the front of the line. And Jesus is like, I know, but you should leave your gift there at the altar. Wait a minute, are you saying that, that I should put other people in front of God? And Jesus is saying, no. No, this is actually how you put God first. How you put God first in your life is you remember that you cannot come and offer a sacrifice to him when you've got something wrong with someone else. And so Jesus says, first, in other words, of first importance, first go and be reconciled to them. First go and offer the apology for your slice. First go and initiate repairing us regardless of who started the fuss. Go and make things right. And then, then come and offer your gift. This is crazy. This is not the way that we think because we have a tendency to think that this relationship here, this vertical relationship is completely isolated from my horizontal relationships. We have a tendency to think that we come into church and we think about God and we sing songs and we read the Bible and all of that is like reserved for Sunday morning. That's in like my Sunday morning category. And then there's the rest of life out here. 
And Jesus never saw our life as separated that way. He saw all of our life as integrated. In fact, we talked about this in our last series when we were talking about integrity, right? That integrity means that our worlds are integrated, that our life is integrated. And so this and this are completely tied together, completely related. That the way that we relate to people horizontally has a direct bearing on how we relate to our Heavenly Father vertically. And not only that, but the way that we relate to people horizontally speaks to those people about the kind of relationship that we have vertically. And so the third decision is, I will make the first move regardless of who moved away first. And then finally, the fourth decision that we make as we wrap this series up, the fourth decision we make is that I will keep the door open. I will keep the welcome mat out. I will keep the drawbridge down. I will have a posture that says that I am available for restoring a relationship. Because restoring a relationship, it's not only a process, but it is also a posture. It is a way that, uh, somebody even sent me this week, uh, something about communication and what percentage of communication is verbal and nonverbal, and what percentage of our communication is the tone of our voice, and what percentage of our communication is our body language. And it turns out that there is a posture that says, I am open to speaking to you. I am open to listening to you. And there's a posture that says, prove it. Prove it. I'm closed off. I'm not ready. I'm not listening. And, and reconciliation has a posture as well to say that I, I'm going to make it. I, I, don't, I don't agree, maybe. I don't, I don't applaud everything that you're doing, but I'm going to be open to you because relationship matters. Relationship matters. And listen, this is, this is one of the reasons that this is so incredibly important to us because at some point, at some point perhaps, you decided to close yourself off, to have a closed posture, and you decided, you know what? I just don't care anymore. I just don't care. That's one of the ways that we protect ourselves. That's one of the ways we wall ourselves off. Maybe we tell ourselves, hey, it's no big deal. It's not a big deal anyway. I don't really care. Or maybe we tell ourselves it was a big deal and it did matter to me at one point, but I don't care anymore. Uh, but we close ourselves off or, you know, maybe this is something that happened a long, long time ago. We talked about our, as parents, how important it is that we do this well, that we model this well for our kids. But maybe you were hurt by your parents. Maybe your parents didn't model this, not only in their relationship, but they didn't model this well with you. And maybe you're carrying with you some deep pain and you've said, you know what? It doesn't matter. It was a long time ago. I don't care. And I just wanna, I wanna just say something that maybe the people closest to you can't say. And so I can say it because I'm far away from you right now. But maybe you do care. Maybe that relationship with your mom is still with you and still affecting you. Maybe that relationship with your dad is still with you and still affecting you. And maybe when somebody brings that up or even hints at that, you feel yourself reacting viscerally and you're like, even internally, you know, like, why am I responding so strongly to this? It's because I don't care sometimes means that you become a carrier. 
And unfortunately, we all see this. Like I remember as a kid thinking, I will never be like my mom. And I cannot even tell you how many times I catch myself through the day going, oh, that is exactly like what my mom would have done. We become our parents in so many ways. And if we're not careful, we'll become a carrier of the ways in which our parents didn't do things well. And one of the things that God is asking is that you would be honest and that you'd be transparent and that you'd be vulnerable with him and allow him to expose to you the ways in which you need to pursue a restored relationship with the people around you. So here's our beginner's guide as we wrap up. These are the things that you need to decide to repair a broken relationship. And again, it's just the beginner's guide, but here's our four things. One, I will get back to, not get back at. Two, I will own my slice of the blame pie. Three, I will make the first move regardless of who moved away first. And finally, I will keep the door open and the welcome mat out. As we wrap up this series, I want to make one further invitation to you. And that is um, that for many of us, we walked away from faith. We walked away from the church. We walked away from a relationship with our heavenly father, not because of our theology, not because we decided that we didn't believe something anymore, but because someone hurt us. And we took that broken relationship, the horizontal broken relationship, and we transferred that onto God. And we walked away from faith because someone in the church or someone who was a person of faith hurt us. And we walked away. Or maybe you're not a Christian because you know a Christian. And you've seen that they don't always live what we teach and what we say we believe. And you are so right. We are not perfect people. We are simply forgiven people. And we are forgiven because our heavenly father moved toward us to draw us into relationship with him. And if you're here today and you're, you're feeling that broken relationship with God, I just wanna invite you back into a relationship with your heavenly father, that today could be the day that you enjoy the fact, that you embrace the fact that your heavenly father was willing to give everything through Jesus Christ to establish, to restore, to heal, to reconcile a relationship with you his creation. And so if you've walked away from God or you've walked away from faith or you've never understood that the message of Jesus is not about the rules, but it is about the fact that your heavenly father wants a relationship with you, then I'll borrow words from Paul again to say, we implore you, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You see, we cannot be fully restored or fully reconciled if we don't own the fact that we are broken, that we are guilty. We've got to own our slice of the pie 
and our broken relationship with God. And in the same way that we're required to recognize our guilt, to come before God, or to come to, to heal another relationship, we have to own our guilt to come before God. And I say this often, but I'm gonna keep saying this because I think it's so misunderstood. There is a difference between shame and guilt. And some of us walked away from the church or walked away from faith because we felt like it was a place of shame. And shame does not come from God. Shame comes from Satan. Shame is a lie. Shame tells you that you are something because of something you did or something that happened to you. And shame destroys relationships and shame will drive you away from God. Guilt, oh, we don't like guilt. <laughs> I don't like to feel guilty, but guilt is a gift. Guilt is my conscience or the Holy Spirit telling me, reminding me that I own a slice of the pie, that I have guilt for a broken relationship. And guilt is what God actually uses in our life to put relationships back together. Guilt is what God uses to draw us back into relationship. He uses it to draw us into relationship with each other and he uses it to draw us back into relationship with him. And so I would invite you today, regardless of what someone has said or done to make you feel like a relationship with God is not possible or to make you feel shame, the heavenly father, the God of the universe is offering to you today complete restoration, reconciliation, because through Jesus Christ, he has paid the price for all of your guilt and he wants to restore a relationship with you. So I invite you to come back into relationship with your heavenly father. I'm gonna invite the band to come back out and to sing a song that perhaps will encourage you to think about that and to do that as we close our service today. God, thank you so much Thank you for being a God who is relational above all else. Thank you for creating us in your image so that we can enjoy relationships when they function well and that those relationships can be a representation of your love in our lives. God, for many of us, this series has, um, has kind of poked at a sore spot for us. I pray that you would give us courage, God, to respond and to act and to love and to do what we need to do to put relationships back together. God, give us the courage. Help us to, help us to be courageous enough to have open hearts to what you might want to say to us and the ways that you might want to love through us as a result of these messages and your words to us through Jesus. And finally, God, thank you for being willing to move toward us and to give everything for us, to restore us to relationship with you. God, help us to believe that your door is open, that your welcome mat is out. Help us to believe that the arms of the Father are waiting to embrace us if we will just run to you. 
Amen.